Welcome back to the Mission Women podcast, where we exist to encourage each other in our walks with Jesus. I'm Katie Sievers, and I'm here with Katie Edelman, as we've just been interviewing some really amazing women uh, here at Mission Bible Church who are just—their hearts are to encourage other women with their testimonies and point to the fact that God is greater than our challenges and our life situations. And we are just so excited to be diving into another great interview and a talk with uh, Michelle Kizada, who is uh, the leader of the CR here at at Mission, and that stands for Celebrate Recovery. And she is talking today, she'll be talking with us about how God is greater than our trauma. And she's just, she, as we were talking with her, she's just creates just a safe space where you can feel open and vulnerable. And it's just, it was just, it's a great conversation to just see how that's the first step in kind of helping bring our trauma uh, to light and letting the Lord work on us. And so enjoy this, this episode with Michelle. Welcome to our podcast. We have the wonderful Michelle Kazada with us here today. And we are so excited to be hearing um, just more about her testimony and more about her story. So Michelle, would you introduce yourself and let us know a little bit about you? Well, I'm going to introduce myself the Celebrate Recovery way that I do every Thursday. Um, I'm Michelle. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm in recovery from the effects of childhood sexual abuse, and I struggle with codependency, pride, and recently some depression and anxiety. Hi. So um, I introduce myself that way. And sometimes even at work meetings, I'm a nurse of 24 years. I work on the med surge floor. Um, sometimes at meetings, when people say, will you introduce yourself? I find myself, oops, I can't say my church introduction. That would be awkward. But um, I'm really open at work of that. You know, I'm a professional, but I'm also a mom. And I'm um, a volunteer in this uh, awesome recovery ministry called Celebrate Recovery. And um, everyone at work, I wear my lo- my stuff and I bring my <laughs> my my uh, coffee cups with the logo Celebrate Recovery to work and and people know that and I think they respect that at least to the point where when they're struggling with real life's with real life's hurts, habits, and hangups, they'll say, Hey Michelle, can I talk to you? And I'm like, sure, I hope they see Jesus in me, because you know, that's he is my higher power. Um and then they they're the, you know, the people, nurses are really stressed, right? Let's just say with COVID yeah. and everything that's going on, wow. Some really crises in mental health, not with just with patients, of course, but with the caregivers. And they they um, they pull me aside and, hey, can you talk to me about what, what kind of recovery are you talking about from drugs and alcohol? I'm like, no, I don't have that issue, but some of my best friends do. Um, and they have a lot of sobriety working this program. But um They'll, they'll tell me their problems. People, if I overshare, I feel like some people feel safe and they share with me um, as well. So so I told you I'm a—I um, didn't say I was a mother. I should have said that first. Well, I'm a believer, first of all, in Jesus Christ. I'm a nurse of 24 years. I'm a mother and a wife. Um, I have three kids. Um, I almost have three teenagers in the house. My 12-year-old is going to be 13 in May. Um, that's a little scary. Yeah. So— <laughs> Um, over my 15 years of being in recovery, I um, I started going to recovery when I was 30 years old. I'm 45, almost 46. And um, I joined the ministry as just an attendee because I was really struggling with depression. 
Um, and I didn't know, in guilt and shame, um, being a believer since I was eight years old, I, um, I didn't know that I was a victim of abuse. And I thought it was my fault. And that's so strange because as a professional who works with um, patients who struggle with trauma and abuse, and I can recognize in other people, but I didn't know as a, maybe a 13, 14-year-old that I had suffered abuse. I thought it was all my fault. And I had some, because so, I wasn't like held by gunpoint and abused that way, but I was manipulated by an older adult who um, moved into her household and uh, took advantage of me. And in recovery and joining that program through my church at the time, it wasn't Mission Bible Church at the time, it was um, another church in another town, um, I found out, hey, I, I actually was a victim of abuse. I was or a survivor of abuse. It was not my fault. And then that just opened up the doors to so much recovery, my whole recovery journey. So my whole recovery journey wasn't all based on um, the abuse. It, there was a lot of other things I was dealing with, the depression, the insecurity issues. Um, I had a lot of sleep sleep issues, problems with sleep. And I got a lot of healing from that. And I started to think, you know, I need to give back to this program. I've received so much from it and I want to give back. So let me volunteer and put, you know, take myself out of my comfort zone. I like to talk, but being the center of attention makes me stressed out. I like to definitely a supporter rather than somebody who needs to stand up there and 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 get all that attention anyway um so i decided on helping like be a sponsor to some of these women going through the program and um got really involved until like when i changed churches and celebrate recoveries over in over 30,000 churches worldwide um, and my work schedule changed, so it brought me from one CR to the other. And um, it just so happened that Mission, at the time, it was Monica Bible Church was having a CR, just opened in 2012, I think it was. And I'm like, okay, I'll just, since my work schedule changed, I'll go ahead and try this new CR, even though I felt uprooted a little bit. So it was an awesome group. We still had the same kind of like layout, you know, what they do every week as far as large group and small group. So, um, when I came to this, I think it, yeah, it was in 2012, um, I decided, well, actually they asked me if I could be a women's small group leader. I was just volunteering, like setting up with kitchen stuff and the dinners. And I actually went deeper into my service and became a small group leader. And then um, the current ministry leader, they they moved. And then there was two a new, another couple that stepped up into ministry leader role. And then they became missionaries to Haiti, and they asked me um, if I wanted to step into that role. So I am I said yes right away before I could say no um, with, you know, just, I guess, my insecurities. I just wanted to say yes to God and everything, so I did. Um, and here I am, maybe two and a half years later um, in this role of ministry leader, and I love it. I love um, ministering to people with um, Christians like me who struggle. They're open with it and, and want to live um, the abundant life God promised us. 
So that's a long intro, but that's my little life in a nutshell. <laughs> and those are my passions. I think my family, nursing, and ministry. I love it. And I think so. that's such a gift because, like, even me and you just meeting, I feel like it's a gift that God has given you. Because I can feel like I, I do. I feel like safe, like being like, yeah, I want to have coffee with Michelle and I want to tell Thank her you, everything too. Because, <laughs> well, not everything. With well, no, everything. No, <laughs> yes, yes. But I oh, just sure, love your night. heart. Like, you so. can just, like, just mm-hmm. meeting you the first time. I can see your heart. I can feel your energy. And it's just so, it's it's God-given. And it's just, thank you. I really want to thank you for just being so open and real and vulnerable with the people. And even just wearing, like you were saying, wearing your, I'm wearing my your gear now. you yeah. are right now. <laughs> yeah, like to work. Like you make people like feel comfortable talking mm-hmm. to you about those things and bringing Jesus to places of your profession where, right. you know, maybe you're the first glimpse of healing for someone else or Jesus for someone else that gives them, you know, the courage to attend your group or mm-hmm. attend church. And I just love right. that. And I love your passion for Celebrate Recovery and the amazing things that God has had that do in your life and also bring towards other people. Can you tell us a little bit about celebrate recovery about the process. I know that before when we were talking, you kind of mentioned yeah. like the the way that you guys talk about things with this um, uh, car. Or oh, what is, yeah. yeah. So um, the topic, it's, it's a little introdu- introduction to the topic I've, I'll be talking about. Um, it's uh, God is greater than our trauma or my trauma. Mm-hmm. And in Celebrate Recovery, we, ha- we love acrostics. So I made up my little acrostic for the tools that have I've utilized the most in my recovery journey, and it's CAR. So it's C for confession, um, A for accountability, and R for repurposing pain. So those are the tools I've used to just help me heal. And um, like I was mentioning before, um, you had said something about like me bringing Jesus and me bringing recovery to work. It's a lot less scary for people, I think, my coworkers and friends, to hear me talk about um, my recovery or therapy, it's not really therapy, but they interpret it as that, um, you know, just self-healing or it's not really self-healing either, but they hear it that way. Yeah. Um, then me saying, do you want to come to church with me every Sunday? Or do you want to go to church? The, the, most of the time I get no, but if I say, hey, do you want to join um, me in recovery? And it's just like a like a little support group. You don't even have to talk. I get more yeses than no's. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a different way to um, talk about Jesus outside of church. It's I guess broken people are open people. And I think um, I, I speak from that platform. And um, But as far as getting back to my points, um, confession. I, I grew up um, for a certain part of my, uh, like maybe up to ba- infanthood to, um, from, from a baby to like, how old was I? Like maybe five or six, I was a Catholic. And a big part of... Um, of the Catholic faith is confession. And I remember when I was struggling, and then after six years old, we started going to um, um, evangelical church and um, we dropped the confession part of our faith. And I I wanted to be a nun, even though I wasn't a Catholic. Um, and I wanted, I think I wanted to escape really from my life, but I, I wanted that confession part. I remember struggling as a kid with all of this trauma and all of this grief and all of this shame and guilt from um, this horrible manipulative relationship that I no one knew about. 
And I remember just imagining confessing to a priest and him just listening and not saying anything from, I've watched movies and stuff with confession and I've gone to Catholic church with friends and stuff and they tell me how it is and confessing to a priest and him just listening and saying, your sins are forgiven and do this and this and this and you're fine. It's all washed away. Um, As evangelical Christians, we don't, we just go to Jesus and we confess. But James 5.16 is is sort of my life verse. it's confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So I think as in my life, I can't speak for others, I was missing that component of um, of confession. And I never felt safe in a church setting. I don't know why. I just always held back. I wanted so badly to talk about, as a child, my um, my shame and, and my struggle and my sadness. But I, it, took, it took from how many years? I was 13, 14 when the trauma started. I was 30 years old when I confessed it to somebody. It took a lot, a long time. And, a, and it took a place like Celebrate Recovery where I felt completely safe. And it was just a safe place in a church setting where I felt I can open up. I'm like, wow, these are Christians who struggle like me. I didn't know they existed because everyone, including myself, I'll speak for myself, I put on that happy, smiley church mm-hmm. face on Sunday. My, you know, I, I, I wore dresses, you know, to church yeah. back in the day now. We wear jeans, and it's way more comfortable. But um, we'll Sunday go, best. Yes, Sunday best. Makeup, <laughs> yeah. everything. Yeah. Yep. Hair curled. Um, but anyway, confession is definitely the vehicle, part of the vehicle that got me out of brokenness into the beginning parts of my healing. And then accountability. Should I just keep yeah, going about yeah, the tools? Yeah. Okay. Um, interrupt me if you want to ask a question. So okay. accountability. Um, wow. Um, partnering. You know that verse? I don't know where it's at. Two are better than one, yeah, you know, yeah. um, because mm-hmm. if somebody falls down, there's no one to pick them up if they're alone. And this COVID thing has has really broken me as far as um, I'm a nurse. I'm a rule follower, even besides being a nurse. I'm a, as a little kid, I was a goody two-shoes, a rule follower. I was really works-based in my faith. And um, I didn't have that accountability I didn't have a safe place to confess. I didn't have anyone to be accountable with because I didn't think anyone really struggled like me. And I was I was sadly mistaken. Um, there was people um, that were walking alongside me at youth group that had the same kind of story. And I didn't find out till years later. So for example, I have a girlfriend that I knew and we just connected after like 20 years, an old, girl, girl, uh, an old neighborhood um, school girlfriend. And she's not a believer, but she's open to the faith. And I just went to her house because she's moving out of her old neighborhood home. And I grew up in Bowling, well, Chicago, then Bolingbrook. And I went and, and met her um, for dinner. And she just opened up. She's like, Michelle, I knew this is when we met again, we were going to talk about our childhood traumas that we didn't know about when we were growing up. But I witnessed her being beat by her mom. And I have a codependent like tendency where I want to rescue everything. I rescued bugs from drowning and puddles. I rescued animals. I've always rescuing people, almost like a little safe. Behind that, though, is pride and a little savior mentality or complex, you know. But anyway, I um, the accountability part is so important to me because as my girlfriend and I, my childhood friend and I sat down and ate dinner and she opened up about all of her pain and, and, and we just um, bonded through that. We're like, why didn't we talk about it as little kids? Why, what held us back? What was the fear and the shame? It wasn't our fear and shame to hold. It was the abusers. It should have been the abusers. And, and there was a lot of healing. I, I walked through our, we walked around our old neighborhood and in that process, just talking about it and, you know, 
where we are right now. We're working towards recovery. We're working towards healing and wholeness at four, in, as 40-something-year-olds. But just, you know, hugging her, crying with her, go, going through our, walking through our old block, it brought a lot of healing. And, you know, her and I talked and we're like, you know, we're going to start, you know, I didn't use the word accountability. I don't want to be too technical, you know, like biblical or whatever, Christianese. Um, but I, um, I told her, let's talk, let's check in at least once a month and see how we're doing on our journey of recovery. And, you know, I've had people ask me, well, why Jesus? Why Jesus as your higher power? Why can't it just be yourself? Well, I don't have enough willpower. I, I don't have that power. I have no control over nothing in my life. So um, accountability is a big thing for me in recovery. Um, and then re uh, repurposing pain and celebrate recovery. Um, it's a big part of working the program, working the 12 steps is um, after you do uh, something called a step study, which is like, it can take about a, a year to get through these participant guides and you meet once a month in addition to like attending large group and small group um, it's a diff it's like a more in-depth study of the 12 steps. And there's something called um, inventory that you um, go through. And it sounds really scary. You inventory your life, um, everyone that you've hurt and everyone that has hurt you. And you make amends and you share with a sponsor or a trusted accountability partner all your, your, your hurts and your pains and how it affected you. There's a process to it. And after you're done um, doing all that, when you're done and you graduated from the step study, the next step is sharing your story in a, in a form of a testimony, um, if you're ready for that. Um, and you have to have a year of sobriety in your main area of recovery if your you know, drugs or alcohol is your issue. But re repurposing pain and telling my story, I mean, it took me like seven years, maybe, I think it was six or seven years, working through Celebrate Recovery to get up to the point where I think I can give back and share my story. And I gave it... Um, in, in a group of, in front of about 50 people and amazing things happened in that room. There was um, men from, um, I think it was Waycross. I can't remember the name of the- Wayside um, Cross. Wayside Cross. It's some place in Aurora where um, they were in drug rehab and they would live there and they'd, the bus would go and get them. They'd come to CR. Anyway, um, I saw them crying at my, my testimony and they'd come up and I didn't think men would be affected that much, but they have their own trauma, childhood trauma too. And they, I prayed and fasted before I gave that my testimony, and um, and I saw a lot of healing in my own family and in the room, and it was just such a healing um, process for me. But that's part of repurposing my pain. Not everyone has to stand up there. My sister's like, why do you air your dirty laundry in front of everyone all the time, Michelle? I'm like, well, it's not dirty anymore. Mm. Jesus put it in the washing machine, and yeah. it's all like folded and clean. And I couldn't wash it. Jesus had to, you know, yeah. I, if it's if you don't air out your dirty laundry, it's always going to stay dirty, right? Yeah. So, yeah, getting it out there, giving it to Jesus, and let mm. Him launder it and fold it and put it yeah. back and hang it in your closet. Yeah. I don't know. I I like little word pictures like that, but yeah. yeah, I don't think it's airing our dirty laundry. I think it's just it's being open and. Um, knowing that there are you're not alone and knowing that there's people out there that can relate to your story. We are not lone rangers in the faith. There is there are no lone rangers in the faith. So that yeah. is yeah, that's yeah. that's my acrostic is car confession, accountability, and repurposing pain. I love so, that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so clear, like as you're talking about especially like repurposing your pain, I just keep thinking about and accountability, like how we're called to bring things into the light. Because that's when, right. if it's if you're just gonna keep it to yourself, 
try to deal with it on your own. And it becomes this big thing, you know, and, and it becomes insurmountable, you know, and it can kind of just spin in our minds. Um, and it can lead to things like bitterness and, and just unhealth. Yeah. And so bringing it into light, which is what you're doing, allows the Lord to take, take ashes and bring beauty. And like by following, by following the Lord, you, you've done that. You know, you've taken your story and it has those ashes moments, but he can use it to encourage others. And like you said, you like you said all of this, right? Like encouraging other people, letting them know they're not alone. Our testimonies are meant to bolster each other up right. and to point to Jesus and how he's mm-hmm. really, he's the one who's going to take our trauma, take our pain yeah. and use it. I think that's like one of the most powerful ways that God uses people and uses our stories. And if we keep them to ourselves, we're not reaching people. And yet we go through, you know, things in life and God creates beauty out of it. He creates, like you said, you know, from ashes to something beautiful. And I feel like if you keep that all inside and you're not willing to share, you know, you're missing an opportunity for God to really work. So right. That's really awesome. Like you don't have to be so detailed. Like at CR, yeah. at CR, um, every Thursday we have a lesson or a testimony, and then we go into small group, and it's gender specific. But we have like um, a question that we answer, or we talk about our week. It's not like I, I think my family has a bad, or maybe family and friends, and maybe I shouldn't assume, but I, I feel like they have an an idea of recovery being every week. I'm revisiting that same hurt over and over and over again and reopening those wounds. And I'm not. I, I'm talking about how my week went. But sometimes I do have to revisit. Every couple months, I have to revisit those wounds because they resurface. It's not that I'm holding on to my pain. My pain sometimes want to hold, wants to revisit me or hold on to me or that trauma or that whatever it is. And it's, it's seasonal. Like sometimes I can go for years without thinking about it or having a nightmare. And then something happens in my life. For example, my daughter turning 13 or my girls are, like right now they're 13 and 17, and, and I see myself and, and all three of my kids. I have a son that's 18. I see them, myself, and all three of them, but they're getting, they're at that age or getting to that age where I just, you know, I experience trauma. And it's, I hate, for lack of a better word, I don't use the word trigger a lot, but I can't think of another a better word. It, it triggers, it brings up my past, and that's been happening this year. And, and I kind of mentioned about COVID, like, making like forcing us to be as Christians isolate you know isolated and that does not foster accountability you know and um we need to come together we need to gather together um I'm so glad that Celebrate Recovery is back yeah. um meeting in person you know I'm a nurse so we, we wear masks and we're you know we're distance and all of that trying to keep it safe but it's so important you know Zoom is one thing and and having those kind of meetings it's just not as it's not personable. So through the video, I, I love in person seeing people in in person. It's just um, a lot more healing. I think it's it's just uh, a better connection when you're in flesh and blood. Yeah. So it's a whole nother level when you've yeah. got yeah. you've got right. body language. You've got, you got body, yes. yeah, like a lot. Of, it's I can just actually, a different feel. Yeah. Yeah. Eye contact. Yeah. There aren't but, barriers. 
Yeah, there's not know. a mute button. There's not, there's not a mute button. <laughs> <laughs> she, can't, she can't blur your background. You can't be in the trauma. One of the things, too, is like with Zoom, it's like exhausting to see myself talking. I'm like, I don't want to see. I want yeah. conversations where I don't have to look. Or like you're like trying to move your laptop to get better lighting. <laughs> yeah, it's just a yeah. process. Yeah. It's awful. <laughs> I think it's also really important that you bring up that Celebrate Recovery is not just for sobriety. It's for past hangups and hurts and all that. Too. I, I coming into new to church four, four years ago, I didn't really Aww. know that when I had seen the like little pamphlets that are out there, and I know. Yeah. So I think that's really important because COVID has done such a number on so many people for, with mm. mental health, and yes. like you said, like you, I know you don't like to use the word trigger, but just knowing that yeah. that's easily like that's out there, that's at our church, that's in our mm. community, and it's not just for sobriety; it's for for you know any kind of past hangups or hurts that we, we need healing um, and we need Jesus. So, it's true. Yeah. It's I, true. Yeah. Yeah. COVID's um, there's a, I don't know what percentages I was going to have come here with statistics as a nurse and percentages, but um, definitely there's been an increase in um, mental health, like uh, breakdowns in mental health uh, in uh, suicides. Um, and I don't know the numbers yet. Cause I'm sure there's still studies out there cause COVID's so new. But definitely floating to the emergency room. I float to different departments in my hospital. Um, but go, floating to the ER and seeing the amounts of people coming in with attempted suicides or um, overdoses, it's it's alarming to see how scary um, it is. And, and just abuse issues in the home. Child abuse, I know, has increased. Um, but I don't know what percent. I'm sorry, I don't have those statistics with me. But over the last year, it's been kind of scary. There's hurting people and definitely celebrate recovery. Every week there's newcomers coming in and they're broken and they need an oasis to just rest in and be in a safe place and and just be heard. Because in our groups, we don't give feedback. We just listen and say, you know, all we can give as far as feedback is thank you for listening. And then you outside of group, we do forge those bonds and um, sponsorship and accountability where we can talk more about in depth about our issues, but we only get about like three to five minutes to talk about our week. And people don't think that helps, but it does. It does just to, to be heard mm-hmm. and not to be fixed and not to be told this verse, hey, read this verse in this chapter and that'll you'll be fine, you know, mm-hmm. um, just to be heard and, and sit in your pain, just like, you know, Job's friends should have done, but then they opened up their mouths. Like, I bet you I would have been one of those friends. Like, this is enough sitting in the ashes, we and scraping your, your, you know, your, yeah. I would have been doing some wound care yes. on him as a nurse. I joke. But it's more about, like, you can sit there as long. You don't, he didn't need anything. He just needed to sit there. He didn't need to be fixed, but they just needed to fix him, right? And tell him what to do and deny God, his wife said. And no, we just need to sit in our pain and feel it and feel the love of Jesus and feel the love of connection with believers. Um, yeah. And be challenged and encouraged to to take the next step. And it takes a lot of courage to take the next step in recovery. Um, yeah. Well, I just want to really thank you for coming today and sharing your heart and just for your, I just, how open and honest you are. It's so refreshing. And um, just, I hope it's not scary. No, it's no, not scary. I do scare some people like, whoa, this girl's, why does everything have to, to be so me. heavy? Yeah, no. It's not heavy. It's, it's, I make it heavy sometimes, but the, I'm, I'm just so grateful to mm-hmm. be alive. I'm so grateful to be where I'm at and a functioning adult over after everything, you know, it's not, I, there's always, everyone has their own story, but 
Um, I'm grateful for the opportunity that God has used or given me to share my story and to, well, what is it? Repurpose my pain. So, yeah. Well, thanks for coming on and sharing with us today, You're Michelle. Welcome. I hope I answered all your questions. Oh, go, you did. I go off on a tangent a little no, bit. but it was great. You did great. So we're going to end with our favorite question. We end every podcast with the favorites um, question. And your favorite question was, what is your favorite snack? So um, I, <laughs> I don't believe in dieting per se. I, um, but in the last two months, I am... Um, fasting or refraining from eating refined sugars. So through COVID, the community, patients, families, patients bring us candy and cakes and cookies and all of this. And I've, and pizza parties, it's enough. I just don't want any more of it. (laughs) I do, but I don't. So it's been two months since I've had chocolate and it's really hard, but that's okay. Um, I don't need it. So my favorite snack right now is frozen mangoes. So whenever I get a craving, it's usually an emotional craving, it's not like I need it, need it. Who needs really chocolate? Who <laughs> needs chocolate? But um, I feel, Some may argue. <laughs> I, I am an emotional eater. Look at my nails. I No one can see them, but I bit my nails plenty this week with anxiety. But um, frozen mangoes, it, it keeps my hands busy. And I love that. That it's so sweet, but not going to kill me. <laughs> so that sounds, that sounds awful. Refreshing. That's an awful snack. Why can't it just be... Chocolate and well, yours oh, is mangoes so, are so good. Yeah. Chocolate and um, potato chips, though. Yours no. is so like I do healthy like and refreshing, <laughs> and mine's just dip. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so I, I just really enjoy a dip. Anything you can dip a chip in, but you, we can What's make that healthy and do a vegetable instead okay. of a chip. But oh, any kind: choco dip, spinach artichoke dip. Cheesy queso dip. <laughs> She's got a list. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that is like, some people have sweet tooth. Mm-hmm. It's like, keep Katie away from the dip table. <laughs> I just love it. I just can't resist it. Yeah. Love How about that. you, Katie? Um, I have a recent, so I tend to kind of like get really into one snack or one thing at a time where I'm like, oh, that's, I just want, like last summer it was like a trail mix. I'm like, oh, this so is the good. perfect mix. Of things, and now uh, we got a Costco membership, so we have oh joined. God. Yay, Costco <laughs> snacks galore! Right, yes. right, it's Ball all the snacks. snacks. Oh, do you go and they get samples? Like oh, sometimes you don't even have to eat lunch; you can just go through. The I'm not doing it now because it's COVID. COVID. Oh, COVID. When I was there, yeah. bummer, can't get they, your lunch. They had people there, like saying, "Hey, this pizza is delicious. COVID. Yeah, you should try. It. Come look at it but in our today. display." <laughs> Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Look so, at it, but don't eat it. But don't eat it. Yeah. But I'll tell you where you can find it. Yeah. So Wait, yeah, goodness. I haven't enjoyed that perk of being a member of Costco. Someday we <laughs> Someday can all hope soon, hopefully. that the samples will be back. But uh, I found the, this snack, and of course it's in bulk, so it's a giant yes. bag. And it's called <laughs> Off the Eaten Path, and there's these veggie crisps, which is a fancy way to say rice cakes. Like really, okay. really like chip like rice cakes with like black beans and edamame or whatever it oh, sounds okay. really fancy and it does sound fancy whatever but if it's crunchy it's satisfying but it's crunchy right? and it's salty yes. and it's like this is just what i need and i don't feel so guilty okay they're not like deep fried so i was talking to katie before <sighs> this and i was like it sounds like it'd be great in some dip we're a big guacamole fans oh yeah oh, yeah. Avocados all oh, the time. yeah. All yeah. So even before good. avocado toast was a thing Oh, yeah. yeah. You were a trendsetter. So, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Head the curve. <laughs> Thanks again for being on, Michelle. Yeah, thank so you for having you. me. Thank you for providing a safe space for me. 
It's awesome. Thank you so much to Michelle for just her open and honest testimony. It's so um, encouraging and refreshing to just hear her and hear just how CR um, works and a little bit more about that awesome ministry that we have at, at Mission Church. Um, Michelle's Zoom meeting, if you'd like to join and ask her some questions, will be Thursday, April 29th from 8 to 9. We'll see you then. Hey!